Once Upon a Time Season 4 Episode 10 is over, but we are just getting started here at Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and with me, as always, he's he's brought a bottle with him, so I'm not sure what his intentions may be, but I'm happy to see him as always. It's Kurt Clark. Kurt, how's it going? It's just a bottle of NyQuil. We're fine. We're fine. Oh, good. You're not going to wha- <laughs> whack me over the head with that uh, you know, polyurethane bottle of NyQuil? Uh, what was it? Sugar, sugar glass or whatever the hell they, they use? <laughs> we have some warnings for the kids out there. Yeah, we, we, we saw a lot of sugar glass in this episode of Once Upon a Time, so it's a... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll put a disclaimer here. Do not attempt any of the activities discussed on this podcast covering the show Once Upon a Time. Yes, that includes eating a carrot sorbet. <laughs> was it carrot sorbet or cherry sorbet? Or- no, it was carrot. Okay. It was, it was carrot. <laughs> All right, so I don't know which is worse. I guess carrot, because cherry at least is a sweeter flavor. I don't know. Oh, I'd be all over cherry sorbet. Yeah, I don't I don't. Ingrid needs to, uh, she needs to invest in her... She used to invest in some uh, some ice cream technology or get a get a degree, maybe like the sweet scientist from Amazing Race. She needs to learn her her dairy skills a bit. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, as long as we're jumping right into it. I mean, she was hiding something at the bottom of it. I thought it was actually very clever. It's like you want to keep these things safe. Put it at the bottom of the ice cream flavor that no one is purposefully going to eat. I thought it was very intentional and a very wise use of the carrot sorbet. <laughs> That's that. like yeah, there was there was some sort of. I'm trying to think of some sort of reference somewhere where there were someone was in a library and they were trying to find uh, an artifact and it was hidden in like the book that nobody would look at. So maybe it's a very similar thing. Yeah, I I, I honestly did think it was the because I, I think some of the flavors around it were decent flavors. I mean, you know, Emma's going in and has ordered like, you know, was given some Rocky Road. And uh, it's I, I, I literally do think that she purposefully put the item that she didn't want anybody but her to find at the bottom of the flavor that nobody was ever going to order. So I actually give her kudos for that. She's lucky that the white rabbit wasn't in Storybrooke or he'd be all over that. That's true. (laughs) But let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Our top story at the end of this episode, as quickly as it came in, the spell of Shattered Sights is gone. And along with it, Ingrid. Yeah, we got a lot wrapped up today. (laughs) Yeah. A lot wrapped up. Not, you know, we talked about this this in the past with these half-season story arcs. Once Upon a Time tends to wrap up the big one, like, one or two episodes early, but then has a pretty big cliffhanger for the for the end. Uh, we'll talk about this more when we get to the end of the episode, but, like, there wasn't too, too big of a cliffhanger here. Uh, maybe because I'm not too keen on this whole gold taking over the world plot line still, but it didn't seem like it was that monumentous of a cliffhanger. Yeah, it wasn't a cliffhanger as much as it was unfinished business slash plot. We we know that he's still planning on taking Bell and Henry with him out of town. Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, the most malevolent thing that happened in that scene was that he put on his jacket and walked away. Yes. So, uh, well, but again, you know, we're 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 just so we're chomping at the bit with this episode. There's a lot to talk about, but we're totally getting ahead of ourselves. Let's start from the very beginning, as the spell hits right where we left off last episode, and uh, right off the bat, we get these characters sniping at each other, which I'm sure was what uh, the writers intended. And we get we get some some nice uh, particular barbs between Snow White and Prince Charming. Yeah, I kind of viewed this as a chance for the writers to get all of these unused. Uh, snappy nicknames out there 
whether it be you know spoiled brat or stable boy or Iceman. I mean, there there were a lot of little little nuggets that typically you'd only see someone like like Hook potentially saying somebody's. So it was kind of a, a nice chance to get the to get those out there. Yeah, and I I know from an acting standpoint, and we'll talk about this a lot more with Regina that it, it there's just so much fun being evil sometimes, and especially for characters like Charming and Snow, which are like so supposed to be so noble, so good-hearted, so sweet to, like, have them be able to play this. I'm sure they must have reveled in that idea. Yeah. And they, they, I think they missed the opportunity to take it up to 10. They felt a little bit like they were maybe at, you know, seven or eight. Um, I, I didn't see. But again, when we saw Anna, uh, she wasn't, you know, about to, you know, go after Elsa and just, like, you know, choke the life out of her. She was just kind of surly. And I think we kind of got uh, some surliness here. So I I, I think maybe my expectations of what was going to be happening. Although if you look at what was happening in the streets of Storybrooke, there was a little bit more... but it was just a lot of yelling at each other. I mean, that's, a, that's what I was about to say, actually. You, you just you're in my head right now because you have like Snow and Prince Charming just like quipping back and forth to each other. Whereas you have in the streets of Storybrooke, like attempted murder. Almost people are coming after each other with crossbows and chainsaws. They're well, physically. Let's fighting be real. Ha- Happy was going to snap eventually. <laughs> I mean, this is just delaying the inevitable. <laughs> Although my favorite was Doc going after Dopey and just yelling at him about, why aren't you talking? <laughs> yeah, this it's a lot a lot of meta moments. Uh, yes, this this episode. Uh, but yeah, so it's so it's definitely more of a minimalist approach in the spell of shattered sights in the jail. And maybe the, the confetti coming out of the ceiling wasn't as potent as it was in the streets. Because even Kristoff was like his his He's worst a- insult was like, oh, I don't think I want to marry you. Yeah, he was a little angsty. <laughs> he was a little emo. It was like the the, the, the spell of emo site. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as as uh, as those characters are being affected by the spell of emo sites, uh, Anna commiserates with Elsa and Emma, who decide that like the tale of the trolls in glass slash the Snow Queen, uh, the only way to break the spell is to kill the caster of the spell, which means that they should go after Ingrid. But uh, Elsa refuses to kill Ingrid, which totally makes sense with her character but it seems like uh emma is surprisingly game for it at least in my opinion i was surprised at how game she was to be like yeah let's let's just kill her yeah and and i wonder if like the real plan was maybe let's rough her up a bit and see if she just you know relents and stops this or but it's they they just they still go after the it's interesting because they still choose to go after ingrid even though they seem to not have come to an agreement on whether or not they're going to kill her. They, they decide to go after her and do something. Yeah, I don't know what, but we'll just we'll hit we'll hit this, this extremely dangerous streets and see if what we can take care of. Yes. So then we flash to the crypt where <laughs> uh, so it turns out to answer our question from last yeah. week that Regina was not able to break through her own spell. So I guess good job, uh, non spell affected Regina for making sure that spell was not allowed to be broken down. And then we get the uh, the big climax of the scene is when uh, she it's weird because like she with Regina, it doesn't even seem like she's affected by the spell of Shattered Sides as much as she's more just reverting back to her season one self. Right. Which I guess is her being affected. I mean, she's she's become more 
human. She's become a lot more hers. It's not that she came, but we reverted to her, her season one self. It seems like she's more reverted to her enchanted forest. Yeah. Self. Cause I think, I think that even in season one, if you looked at Regina in the forest versus Regina in Storybrooke, yes, she was evil in Storybrooke, but it was much more, um, I don't know if it was a, a, a mature evil. I, I don't, I don't know what it was much, a little bit more restrained. I, I maybe is what I'm trying to say, but she, I think she reverted to full on, I think, you know, enchanted forest, uh, mist Haven, uh, Regina once, once the, the spell hit. Yeah. This is more of like a snarling dog than anything. And the, and the outfit definitely, uh, visualizes that she, as we talked about, she changes into her enchanted forest outfit complete with the, you know, the, the headpiece and the big flowing black dress. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure Lana Perilla had a field day with this episode because this is something she hasn't done for probably a good two years at this point. Yeah, there's, there's, she, she got to chew up the scenery very nicely. <laughs> exactly. So uh, as we get that brief glimpse, Emma and Elsa go to confront Ingrid and they, they try to stop her, but uh, it turns out that the uh, one of the side effects of the Love Ribbons uh, live strong bracelets are that they you can't hurt anyone who if you're wearing them you also can't hurt anyone who's wearing them because the love quote unquote love overpowers it and forbids them from hurting each other. Right, and there was something that that Ingrid had said at the end of the uh, prior episode about like when the, when the ribbons were first put into use, it seemed like Ingrid was telling Gold that now she has control over the powers of the other two. I wondered if it was kind of a two-way street. In other words, you know, Elsa and Emma cannot harm Ingrid, but is it also the opposite where Ingrid, can Ingrid also not harm Emma and Elsa? Yeah, I'm assuming so. Uh, I'm assuming Ingrid would want to make that sacrifice because I think she talked about this at the end of the scene. You know, she said, uh, you know, I don't worry. I promise you soon you won't want, you won't even want to hurt me. You'll want, you'll love me. Uh, so right. I, I don't think I think in her kind of warped end goal, she didn't necessarily even think about the fact that like they would want to hurt her. She'd be like, oh, we'll just be one big happy family and then we'll we'll keep out anyone who hates us. Right. And we we saw um, I think like but, you know, right before they do confront her, that's when we see Ingrid in her, you know, in the uh, the magic in her ice cream shop, getting these uh her her survivor marquesas commemorative purple rocks from the bottom of the carrot sorbet oh uh, she's she's a she's a big kathy fan i heard yes she's yes uh or maybe maybe it was the pur- the, the purple rocks from the from the first blood versus water i'm not sure but uh yeah i, I was wondering what it was at first uh but yeah she she did she removes the carrot sorbet she removes these two purple rocks from underneath it um and i'm really wondering i was wondering throughout the episode what are those um <laughs> But yeah, she she snags those, and that's after that's when Emma and Elsa end up confronting her, and they're like, "But yeah, they 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 realize we can't hurt her, and it's these ribbons." Yeah, and the thing I wonder too is if they're the three of them are also kind of like not only immune to the effects of the spell of Shattered Sight, but immune to their targets because I think there's a difference between being completely immune and being immune and also being a target. Like Anna's in that latter category because obviously. She didn't get affected because it it had affected her before, but Kristoff was still like wanting to come at her. So I wonder, like, you know, had Hook had his heart in and was affected by the spell, and he went to see Emma, would he have attacked her, or because she was wearing the ribbon, she would have been protected? 
Oh, no, I'm pretty. I, that, that's why I think it was a little bit more about there was a little just a subdued in the jail and a little bit more emo. I, I don't think that um, that Emma. My impression is that Emma and and El, sorry, Emma and Elsa and. Anna could have been completely at the whim of anybody. Because remember that the Ingrid was kind of fearful and made a deal with gold. Gold said that, you know, if he was not, you know, made immune from the, uh, the effects of the spell of shattered sight, he was basically just going to go after Ingrid completely when he was affected. So I don't think that they're immune. I think that Kristoff was just a little bit lazy. Well, I mean, when you're handcuffed to a desk, there's only so many targets you can pursue. Yeah. Can we talk about how I did, did did Prince Neil just pretty much sleep through the entire thing? Yeah, so I'm, I was, I was going to bring that up. We were deprived of our hashtag devil baby, which I feel like we were building up so much last episode that he, he literally slept through right. the entire spell. And it was brought up a couple of times. Uh, that, that child can sleep through a lot, though it seems like the Charming's children can sleep through anything, considering that Emma, when she was a baby, was put inside a enchanted tree and transported to another world and then she only started crying when they emerged on the other side yeah so i think it's more like like sleeping devil baby yeah as far as we know he was affected it just he slept through the whole thing and was didn't have didn't we didn't get to see any of his damien like uh you know um omen omen-esque behavior to be fair apparently bell slept through it too as we saw at the end of the episode yeah, true although no because i think you know gold did negotiate for um himself and for bell to be immune from it didn't he i'm did he i you know uh, i can't remember i can't remember because eh. no, because no, he would have he would have negotiated for henry to yeah. be immune from it too and henry wasn't well it's hard to tell with henry <laughs> <laughs> that's the most acting we see out of jared gilmore since he's since he had to play pan exactly <laughs> so it's either he has to play someone else or he has to be really evil that's the yes. two ways we want to see him from now on uh, yeah. But speak, we were speaking of the prison before. We cut back to it uh, as Snow and Charming argue about their parenting skills. And uh, <laughs> we get some more... Their, sw- their swaddling skills. The swaddling skills, yeah. We, we get some more fun moments where... Uh, I believe this was talked about in the Honest Trailers video for Frozen. Uh, David correctly points out to Kristoff, like, why do you sell ice in Arendelle? How do you make a profit off of that? Yeah. Uh, and then Snow uh, brings up her murder history, which is always fun to think about. I was Ted. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Guy, a- she kind of goes back and forth because she kind of brings it up as to, oh, I'm not as pure as you think. But then later, when she's getting into it with Regina, she brings up the point like I was ten years old. Let it go. Yeah, that's I and I love that. This 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 is probably the most meta episode we've had of the show thus far. I would yeah. say just because they. They bring up so many past events, and I think having this device of the spell allowed these characters to conf- finally confront each other for their past, you know, Charming and Snow White specifically, like they talked about. Oh, uh, the first time you saw me, you knocked me out. The first time you saw me, you caught me in a net. Like, there, there are so many things, and it was great for me, because I'm like, oh, I remember binging this, and now I now I <laughs> recall all these moments that happened. Yeah, and, and with, the, uh, with the time travel at the midway midway point through uh last season uh or at the end of last season we also got to see that capturing happen twice that's very true i remember random tangent i remember in the previously on for that episode they had to show like all the scenes of them meeting so i was like oh this is 
weirdly out of context. And then once it happened, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. A lot of fans would not remember this off the top of their heads. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes gives the nice thing about the previously on is it tells you what you need to focus on and what you need to remember in order to make sense of the upcoming episode. Yeah. And, and speak, speaking of the beginnings, they've kind of been phoning it in a little bit with the, uh, the, the graphics at the, the, the front of the open with the, with the title card. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> snow falling. Really? It's been snow falling for the past three or four. Yeah. And like it maybe it maybe it was a little bit more violent this time. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, the snow's falling slightly more yeah. on an angle and slightly faster. The spooky yeah. snow. I think I think I actually made that comment too when we, when it was um, it was a few episodes ago where it was the snow, but it was also Emma's yellow Volkswagen, which we've seen before. Yeah, and then there's there's been ones with like the ice cream truck. There was one with yeah. uh, like ice the ice bridge from I think it was like the fifth episode. So they're just. They're making a lot of variants on it, so hopefully next episode will be since the, the since for all reasonable purposes this whole snow and ice motif is over since Ingrid's gone. Maybe they'll do something spectacular. Maybe they saved all their bud they spent all their budget on the the episode twelve title card. Just like dancing hamsters, <laughs> dancing <laughs> hamsters and like circus elephants coming in and fireworks yes. are exploding. Uh, they From Emma. <laughs> yeah, on his hands, they brought in a rubber goulet to sing the the three notes that are in the title. Wow, that's a that's that's a deep track. <laughs> so that's what we're expecting next next week. Yes. <laughs> uh, so as we we cut back to our blonde tourage, Emma and Elsa, uh, Emma comes up with an interesting strategy uh, to how to defeat these bracelets. Uh, yeah, let's let's go to golds and. And find a way to cut them. <laughs> yes. So after, so after, you know, they use a knife and I think it was like a, a shofar or like some sort of horn. Uh, yeah. Emma comes up with idea number two, which is, well, if the un- overwhelming power of love is keeping these bracelets on, maybe an overwhelming power of hate will take them off. Uh, I have her exact wording here. Uh, the power flowing through the ribbons is without equal, but maybe there's an opposite that equal that's equally strong. <laughs> and like Elsa, my response was, Huh? <laughs> like that's that's a that's a, that's a big step. That's like a jump from one to ten. Well, I, I I completely and maybe it was because I'd been hitting too much eggnog. I completely did not get what she was saying. I think I had to rewind it and, and catch that again. But luckily, she she kind of explains to Elsa and to me, the lowest common denominator, what she means is like, yeah, what's if these are fueled by love? Then, like you said, maybe pure raging hatred uh must be what can break the bond and and they they can't tap into your hatred of of henry uh so they decide to to visit regina yeah it's it's just weird it reminded me it was like a like a jeff goldblum in jurassic park moment of her just making all these connections of like okay we need someone to hate uh regina she's she's hit by the spell so she's purely evil so she must really hate me again like she did back in season one so let's go to regina and then she could take the bracelets off yeah, it's I I I I didn't necessarily know if I bought the flow of logic, but I was actually really looking forward to this happening. I'm like, yes, let's bait Regina. Let's get her to hate me some more. And I was like, I want to see this happen. Yeah, I, I think Emma would be like the worst lion tamer. because She'd be like, well, I want to make a show. If I stick my arm down the lion's throat, uh, then yeah. it'll really make a great thing happen for the audience. Yes. <laughs> so they do just that. They go they go to the crypt. Emma breaks down the spell and. Man, does she taunt her. She <laughs> she throws everything out there to Regina. 
Yeah. And it, lucky for them, it worked. Because uh, um, it, it sounded like, you know, she was talking about, you know, that it, it, that I think I think the big thing that got to Regina was that she was throwing her own love for Hook into Regina's face because this was a type of love that she could never have. Oh, that's, oh that was brutal. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, and the Regina shoots them with magic and they're kind of like, let's hope this works. Let's hope this works. They kind of both reach up with their their yellow bracelets and it disintegrates them. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that it didn't like, I don't know, singe their hands or their wrists or anything like that, or that she didn't aim lower or you know, she just happened to yeah, exactly. the exact convenient spot to take the bracelets off and that's it. Yeah. And it worked. Um I mean, downside is that Regina's now free. Um they they kind of freed the and and I think that was like an interesting you know, dilemma there. It's like, what? And I, I, it would have been actually fun if they had discussed that a little bit more is the fact that, okay, we need her to destroy the bracelets, but in doing so, we do realize that we're releasing her and her anger onto Storybrooke because she won't be contained in the crypt anymore. I mean, that's, that's kind of the trade-off that they had here. Um, yeah. And of course, we then see, you know, Regina ends up heading straight to the, to the jail, but uh, yeah, they they got that handled pretty quickly, and I was wondering, and again, this is just not knowing how magic works. Like I would just, the way that these bracelets are kind of set up, I would have got the impression that Ingrid would have sensed that in some way that the bracelets, other bracelets had been destroyed again. Yeah. yeah but would her, would hers have not just like fallen off? Well, I mean, there's no really no purpose. It's like having one walkie talkie. I mean, there's really no purpose for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Again, don't know how this particular magic was was formulated, but just I had almost gotten the sense that it would have been something if I had been Emma or or Elsa, I would have been concerned that if we destroy these, there's probably a good chance Ingrid wearing the only remaining one will 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 know, will find out or will feel or sense something. But apparently not, which I'm fine with. I just I I was just curious if that was going to be a thing and it wasn't Mm -hmm. going going back to what you're talking about before with uh the scene you'd kind of wished had happened where they discussed the moral implications of letting Regina out. I bring up a larger question based on that. Would, would you have rather seen this action of this episode be stretched out over two episodes instead of just one? I personally was really, really entertained by this episode and I really enjoyed it. And we'll get to the parts that I immensely enjoyed later on, but it felt really rushed. And part of me wonders if they had spread the spell and all of its effects out over two episodes instead of just one, it would have been so crammed for time. Um, hmm. I was fine with it in one, and I normally I would have said yes, except that the main um, conflict that we saw happening in the jail was a little watered down. Like, I, I, I think that the writers maybe felt uncomfortable having them snow and charming, maybe go at each other for too long. It would have been, it would have been interesting maybe to have some, uh, like a, a single or a couple, uh, minor B plots about again, you know, granny is just body checking people as she's running through town. All the dwarves seem to be going at each other. Um, and so there, there could have potentially been some other, uh, minor storylines that were fueled by the spell of Shattered Sight that could have been interesting to explore. Uh, I'm, I'm 
So if they had done that, then I think it could have been interesting. Oh, but they, at, at the same at the same time, I was anxious to if they'd extended it back in time a week as opposed to forwarded it to next week. I was anxious for the whole frozen thing to get over with. Mm-hmm. One thing I wish we had seen was uh, Pongo and Archie go at it. Oh, no. <laughs> Archie would have been mauled. I'm not, I won't be surprised if they walk into his office and he's actually dead instead of just being uh, his death faked. Yeah, make sure like one of those uh, one of those scenes where you see the police attack dogs chasing down the person who's wearing the big the big dummy, you know? Yeah, maybe that's why we haven't seen Archie. Is he's he's a, a mangled corpse in his office at this point? Although we don't know that this affects animals, do we? I don't. I don't know. There, I think Pongo is the only real animal in Storybrook. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe. Uh, mm. so, so as uh, you talked, you mentioned before, Regina is able to escape the crypt, though she's not able to catch up to the blondeage. So she thinks, uh, "Let me go to the sheriff station." And this is where we have uh, our big, big confrontation. Uh, where, well, first off, uh, she she wants to get her revenge by taking the baby, and as Anna tries to stop her, she just poops her and Kristoff away. Uh, and then it's really down to her, Charming, and Snow, which is, has such nostalgic season one and two vibes. I, I, my, my heart grew three sizes. Cause I was like, oh, this is, I, re- I remember these scenes. I love these scenes. And whereas I was like, why isn't Snow just like over Neil at this point? In terms of the spell share, it's like, take the baby. Yeah, he sleep- all he does is sleep. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like, maybe the one of the many rules of the spell is that like you products of you your children you'll still always love mm, that's a stretch mike bloom <laughs> i don't know we'll, we'll talk about a moment in this duel <laughs> that was like a little odd in terms of the effects of the spell but uh speaking of the duel we we got it we have it right here it's uh the the red viper versus the mountain right now and and, and a once upon a time version uh which is regina and snow white sword fighting because Regina says they don't want to use magic because she wants to see her bleed. Kind of a cramped quarters for a sword fight. Yeah, I wish she could, that she had kind of poofed them to some sort of nondescript section of the forest <laughs> or this new beach that we found out about. That looks like a Mortal Kombat set where it's just plenty of room and like, round one fight. Or I would have loved if they and warped down to the mines so that like there could be a minecart chase a la Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> And then she's like blasting magic and like and Snow White's ducking and yeah, that would have been kind of cool. And Prince Charming would have played the, uh, the short round. No, it could have been short <laughs> round or he could have been the uh, that what the, the harpy, the shrieking woman in that movie. I totally forget her name now. The one who saw oh. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 it wasn't the, the character's name was uh, Willie. Yeah. Oh, God, Willie. All right, let's get let's 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 talk about things that I actually enjoy. Let's get away from (laughs) (laughs) Willie. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, they well, we'll we'll, let's let's jump right to that sword fight because that that sword fight is probably one of the most badass things they've done in this show. And I'm 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 a weapon nerd myself, so I I'm very partial to it. But it was just it was a lot of fun to watch them really just duke it out, and you know, even Charming got a little bit involved at some point, rolling over desks and and. Of course, I'm like trying to say, like, watch, is that a stunt double? Is that a, a stunt person there? Like, I'm like, uh, I'm, I mean, you know, love Mary, love me some Mary Margaret. But she she's she's still got her her new mother padding. Um, 
She was able to move despite the padding. Yeah, well, she moved enough to throw Regina through a glass door. Which brings us to the point we were discussing at the top of the show. Yes, uh, I mean, that's that's always one of the many, like, the, the there's a short list of, like, you know, pet peeves that are used in film and television that are obviously non-realistic, and one of them is always, you know, you jump, people jump through glass windows and doors and they remain unscathed, whereas in real life it wasn't sugar glass, Regina would have many, many glass shards in her and yeah. she'd be bleeding profusely. Yeah, I, I, I've I, I've read many places that if you were to get tossed out of it, the, the front window of a saloon, uh, you would not just kind of be there, lie there for a few seconds and, and get up. You would and in all likelihood, you would actually die. That that's actually, you know, a, a pretty painful way to go. And and likewise, with getting hit over the head with a a bottle, um, if it's if it's not made of sugared glass, then uh, you're going to do some potential major damage and the bottle is most likely not going to shatter. So, uh, so again, it, kids at home, do not be trying any of this. Yeah, the, there's, there's a lot of, like, harmful, non-harmful activity here. I'll bring up again that, like, they're on the street, we see Granny with a chainsaw. I don't even want to know who she got in contact with. Maybe that's why we haven't seen Red in a long time. Uh, uh, probably that was the, uh, the, the a, uh, Lumberjacks. <laughs> I forgot. It was a hunts. It was a huntsman that 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 Granny and Red were interacting with in the in the woods, not a lumberjack. So yes. it's not really pertinent. <laughs> Paul well, Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. He'll make his appearance in the in the back half here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so jumping back a little bit, just because I wanted to talk about how badass that fight was. Uh, as Emma and Elsa go to the Fortress of Solitude and they kind of uh, confront Ingrid, and this is when Ingrid takes out the. Uh, Pascal English Memorial Purple Rocks, and speaking of memorials, they do indeed contain their memories. They contain the memories that she took from them that erased her from their, that erased the image of the Snow Queen from their memories, just like, uh, just like Gerda did with uh, everyone in Arendelle after Ingrid got sucked up into the urn. Uh, so... Uh, do we know when... Ingrid did this to Elsa or did it just focus? I'm trying to remember if they explored that in the episode. Cause remember we, we learned when and how and what it, how it impacted Emma, but we didn't really see when Elsa's memories were taken. Correct. Yeah. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it happened some, no, cause it, it, I was going to say it, did it happen in the urn, but gold like took the urn almost right after Elsa got sucked up into it. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm not going to dwell on it. Yes, Just make it, uh, making sure I didn't miss it in the show. No, so there was a... Maybe there's a secret scene somewhere of, like, Ingrid going to Elsa and just randomly taking her memory at some point. Yeah. But there's a, there's a fun little moment here where Ingrid brings up once again, you know, the only way for you to end the curse is to kill me, and I don't think you have the guts. <laughs> uh, not, not said as, uh, as, you know, bitingly, but I, I, felt, I felt that. I don't know if you did, Kurt. Ah, you know it. No, she's. I I didn't feel it. Ingrid's crazy. I mean, she's just totally bonkers here. I mean, she she sees that the ribbons are gone. She starts to you know soliloquize, and I'm like, don't let her talk. Don't that's you know, don't don't let her talk. Yeah, exactly. Like, is it, stop, stop it, stop. You can you can attack her at any point in time now. Yeah. But no, they let her go, and then she gives them back her memories, and and yeah. So 
Let's uh, let's get away from this cold cave and let's go to the beach, shall we? Sure. So Anna and Kristoff, they have to be warped back to the beach conveniently enough where they appeared, even though Regina knows nothing about that. Uh, well, I think I, I think the, the the default magic was like go back to whence you came, and she didn't really have to know whence they came. It just the magic listens to that kind of and took them. Well, they came almost looking at the magic as an independent entity. So well, they came from this trunk, so I'll take them back there. Well, at least they didn't appear in the trunk in the middle of the water. That would have, or just they appeared like where they appeared in the in the in the big whirlpool in the middle of the water. That would have that would have not been fun. No. <laughs> So Kristoff is still, you know, in his in his spellbound mode, and he's basically saying, "Screw you guys, I'm going home." I'm, he's, you know, he starts taking off his shoes, ready to go for a swim. And Anna, uh, being rather uh, rather impulsive, sees a bottle in the sand and decides to just knock him over the head with it. Yep. And uh, he is left face down in the sand for the rest of the episode. Yeah, it's it's. I was I was just stunned that she did that. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, you know, Anna tends to be an impulsive character, true. you know, a very, a, very a big go getter, just one of her admirable qualities. But man, that is a that is a that, is a, that sword has two edges to it, very sharp edges. <laughs> yeah, and but at the same time, I realized, you know, having watched the, you know, uh, I think it was at the beginning of the was at the beginning of the previous episode. Regardless, I knew what this bottle was, and I was looking forward to finding out what was in it. Yeah, because I, I was hoping we would find out. How Elsa got the crystal necklace to give to Anna? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was the it was the message in a bottle of convenience that happened to solve everyone's problems. Uh, so Anna finds the message and she, right before, in a very, com- I'll admit, a very confusing time frame, right before <laughs> they're about to attack her, Anna appears. I have several questions about this besides the timeline the the first and foremost being how did anna know where that cave was yeah i, I know i just assume that everybody has told everybody where like the because we've, we've had enough people visit there and go there that i'm assuming that it's common knowledge where the evil ice queen's lair is now where the fortress of solitude is hidden yeah. slash not not hidden i would just wonder like if while they were walking through town elsa's like oh and so our aunt is, is stationed in this cave on the outskirts of town. And what you want to do is you want to make a right at the fork, first fork you see, and then go go while past the oak tree, and then you you, you won't miss it. Yeah, and she, and 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 she she got there quickly. So maybe it's right <laughs> off the beach. Extremely quickly. Maybe I, it's right off the beach. I think we I think we, the publishers need to make a map of Storybrooke. If if you know George R. R. Martin puts a a map of Westeros before and after every book he makes, I think. I think that the creators owe us a map of Storybrooke. I like that because, as I said, like we we've seen, you know, that, that that one scene where Emma is in her car overlooking Storybrooke. It's expansive. We typically see a two three block stretch of it. We see the harbor. We see a little bit of the outskirts. Um, but there's a lot of you know side streets and cul-de-sacs, and there, there's a lot in Storybrooke. It would I'd actually that'd be kind of fun to be to get a map of it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Maybe uh, if we get bored enough in the off season, we'll we'll try to put our cartography cartography <laughs> skills to the test and draw our own map. It's gonna look so janky. Yeah, well, the <laughs> the blue clearly represents land. Yeah. Uh, so let's. So as Anna gets to the cave, this this brings up, in my opinion, the the big climax scene of of the the episode, and perhaps of of this whole half arc, just because it it leads to everything. So Anna reads this message aloud, and I, I don't have the exact quote, but uh, to kind of yada, yada 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 it, she talks about how, it's all from from Gerda's perspective, about how it was wrong for her and her husband to 
uh, have Elsa conceal her power and that she did not learn uh, from Ingrid and she made a mistake being afraid of Ingrid and getting rid of her sister and that she uh, she starts she gives instructions to her daughters to go to the cave and find Ingrid and let her out and tell her that she's sorry. Yeah. And and I, I was surprised that at the end of this, again, this is like the 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 exact opposite of, um, you know, why are you letting the villains, you know, just expound? Why aren't you attacking her? It's kind of the same thing here. It's like, Ingrid, if you want to do something, why are you if, if you actually are, you know, hell bent on, you know, destroying Storybrooke, why are you letting Anna just talk? Like, why are you letting the hero soliloquize? Yeah. Um, but the moment she gets done. Uh, you know, to Ingrid's, uh, you know, mad respects, she kind of just blasts Santa. Yeah, she force chokes her. She's like, oh, well, you're a liar. Yeah. And I thought for sure that that we were done with Anna, actually, at that point. Yeah, I was I was wondering how how far it would go, because, yeah, she force chokes her and then she, like, calls her a liar and, like, magically yeah. slaps her. And I'm not sure, like, how what powerful of a force it was. It seemed okay. Uh, yeah, I had thought she had like ice blasted her, and I was waiting for her to go into all into like you know, you know, frosty the Anna mode with like that, like pulling a Marion. Yeah, that's true. Which would have been an interesting quandary for next episode. That'll be interesting. I wonder if they'll cover the Marion stuff next episode. But we'll, oh yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, there wasn't too much because Robin Hood was in the forest, presumably just kind of uh, sparring with his merry men. Uh, well, we'll see if we get any sort of Regina Robin Hood. Uh, denouement or conclusion next week but uh in the middle of this scene so after uh kind of kicking the piss out of anna ingrid finally reads the scroll over and realizes that it was indeed the truth and says out loud what have i done and uh she comes to the realization that the only she she need a she needs to reverse the curse because she has finally felt loved again and she realizes that it was a big misunderstanding and B, the only way that she can reverse the curse is to literally reverse the curse and absorb all of the the, the shards of glass. Yeah, and I, I, I'm one. I, it was a little bit. It was suicide, pretty much. Yeah. And, and and like I didn't know to what extent was she reversing the curse and putting it on herself, or did she kind of will herself? Was this the the what the result would have looked like had Emma and Elsa actually? killed her and then this is what the effect would have looked like but uh, one way or another it, it got the job done yeah yeah so uh i i personally really really like this scene and especially this ending where uh ingrid kind of talks about how she's she's almost uh found peace and she's found her happy happy ending because she has her sister's love and granted i think the the wipe to the three little girls running up the hill was kind of cheesy but having watched that snow queen flashback episode and knowing like how far south her relationship with her sisters went, and that that was the big catalyst behind her general resentment towards the rest of the world. I thought I thought it was a fair conclusion, and definitely the best conclusion for a villain we've seen on Once Upon a Time thus far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a little bit of redemption without with 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 no kind of the messy ends left to clean up. <laughs> yeah, and I'll I'll say that I think on the whole, aside from obviously season one, Regina, who we we got to see colorized a lot more. I think Ingrid is by far the most complex villain we've had on Once Upon a Time. I agree. Which I, which is, is fun, and it's it's nice, because I think in a show that started off from the beginning so much about, like, well, the good guys win, and the evil people always lose, and then you have kind of broadly sketched people like Greg and Tamara, 
and even Korra a little bit. Like it's 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 tough to it's it's tough to watch sometimes because you do want to even though it's a show that takes place in a very fantasy oriented world, you do want to see at least semi human characters. And Ingrid, granted, she she went a little bit off the deep end, but she showed some human characteristics, especially in this last scene. Yeah, and I'd say that really the only loose end directly tied to the whole Frozen storyline is the fact that Elsa and uh, Anna must travel back to Arendelle to bring back Ingrid's memory to the people of their of their land. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, because that was their, their, their parents' last wish, so they must now travel back and do this. Um, and immediately my first thought is, okay, which of, which of the 17 different ways that you can get back there are you going to use? So I'm looking forward to seeing how, <laughs> how they end up actually traveling back. Yeah, maybe they'll use a new one. Uh, so, so that's, I mean, as Ingrid absorbs the spell, it, it immediately dissipates and everyone's okay. There's a, I would say, you know, so Snow and Charming and Regina are kind of wrestling <laughs> over things and then the spell disappears and they they just look at each other and start laughing, which is that was so awkward. <laughs> it was very, very weird. <laughs> it was like one of those like '80s sitcom endings where yeah. the person comes in and is like wah wah, and then everyone starts laughing, and then it freezes, and they're like standing there in the middle in mid laughter. I remember the old uh, the old uh, you know from the files of Police Squad TV series where every every episode would end with the with that freeze, but then like one person would walk in not realizing everybody was frozen. <laughs> it, yeah. it was kind of like the, it was a really strange. Oh, shucks, everybody. Sort of ending. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very odd. And I don't know. I think the first thing I would have said would have been like, I'm sorry I tried to kill you or thank God we're all right. Instead, they just burst into hysterics. Maybe maybe uh, someone left the gas on in that sheriff's station or something because they, they had a case of the giggles. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, we did see, I believe, you know, at one point Charming and Snow kind of apologized to each other. But I think it would have it would have seemed like a little bit more in character for them to run into each other's arms and, and hug and just not say anything, maybe. Or I don't know. Yeah. But um, it was pretty much all fueled, I think, by Regina's outfit. <laughs> I think that was the 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 thing that everybody was just all cracking up over. Or maybe uh, it was uh, it was actually completely improvised and the actors were just so loopy at the end of the day that they just started laughing and they decided to keep it in and use it. Yeah. Uh. We may never know. We may, we may never know. Not until we get the creators on this podcast. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, and as you talked about, uh, there's a there's a nice little reuniting scene between most of the main characters in the in the street after all the brouhaha and the spell's gone. And uh, Snow and Charming have their first like major makeout session of the season, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it it's something for them to do. <laughs> they. they I mean, this is this is I don't know, maybe maybe it was celebrating because they've largely been inactive most of this season. Yeah, we did something. Let's make out. <laughs> Wish all that's how all my celebrations would occur. I'm wondering if nine months from now, if we're going to see another royal prince or princess. <laughs> Remember after that spell broke and we all <laughs> laughed for a while and then uh, we just made out in the middle of the street. Well, I'm pregnant now. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, uh, December. Yeah, uh, you know, December seventh. Uh, there's lots of uh, you know makeup sex was happening. <laughs> All the people who were fighting in story. <laughs> yeah, well, if that's the case, then uh, our our baby Neil will become the the middle child. So maybe we will see a devil baby after all. True. 
All right. So, Kurt, do we want do we want to jump back in time, or do we want to jump to the B line of this present storyline? Let's 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 finish up the present storyline. All right. So let's go to our hook and gold storyline, which is a a few scenes, few and far between. I will say that this season, I think the writers do uh, have concentrated much more of the lion's share of time onto the main storyline. I remember back mm-hmm. in Neverland, there was like. B plot lines and C plot lines going on that like it's got a good portion of time donated to it. So we've only seen a few scenes of this for the past few <laughs> episodes. They were all C plot lines in Neverland. Let's be real. <laughs> well, not the not the quality, Kurt. The quantity. Oh, okay, okay. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Uh, so Hook goes to Gold for his for his uh, quote unquote next mission, and his next mission is to recruit Henry so that uh, he can get him so he can bring him to Gold so they can cross over the town line because. Tomorrow night is when they make their move and they start their trek towards world domination. Yeah, it's um, well, first of all, I, I thought it was we, we learned that that Hook was spared from the spell because his heart was not in him, uh, which I thought, you know, that's actually a really nice, elegant solution. I actually really liked that. And I was pleased to see that Hook was was spared. Um, and we also we also learned a little bit more about about gold's plan um and apparently they they can't do this but i don't remember hearing this before but they can't uh implement this plan tonight because it is tomorrow night in which the stars in the sky will align with the stars in the hat which is kind of a again i think a, a fun um kind of alignment of of plot where you know you had to get enough power in the hat and we learned, you know, that as you suck people into the hat and take their power, additional stars will appear. So it's kind of you have to fuel the hat to 100 percent power. When you do all the stars on the hat will be illuminated. And then you have to use the hat on the night where the illuminated stars match the I thought it was it was a lot, but I actually kind of liked the elegance of the, it was very it was complex without being overly complicated. And and then. That's when the dagger will lose control and he'll be able to travel on the other side of the ice. I'm like, okay, so sounds like Bell and Henry are going to wake up in New York City. They're not going to remember anything. And Gold's plan is to tell them, well, everything was destroyed and I saved what I could. In this case, it was you. It was you two, Bell and Henry. Yeah, there. I think this is the first spell that uses uh, astrological implications. I know a lot of other magic outside of Once Upon a Time, Harry Potter specifically, is oriented around, like, if the moon is in this line and the stars are in this alignment, but I think this is the first one that's really, like, this spell cannot occur unless the stars are in alignment. Right. And, um, it, 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 it was, it was interesting to see, and, and, and it's also that it's, it's really the one, other than the minor thing, I think, of Elsa and Anna traveling back to Arendelle to release Ingrid's memory upon the land. This is really the big thing that is kind of left as a something to look forward to going into the next episode on is, you know, this plan of golds, how will it, how will it transpire? Yeah. But uh, before we get to that plan, we have to talk about in memory of uh, John Hughes and Chris Columbus, our Um, home alone (laughs) reference in this episode. Yeah, I think the, the, I think if you if we look at the uh, the the Mike Bloom Spell of Shattered Sight two episode mega mix, I think we could have had a, a, a extended period of that where it is Hook pursuing Henry <laughs> and Henry uh, going uh, treating Hook like he's a member of the Wet Bandits. Yeah. And, you know, pranking him, pranking him like a Cody 
uh, left and right as he's being chased through Storybrooke or through the mayor's house. Um, unfortunately, Hook, you know, Henry was conf- trapped in a confinement spell in the office, so he didn't have time to implement a bunch of booby traps, unlike Kevin McAllister. So, which would you have rather seen? Uh, have, uh, what which trap would you have rather seen Hook fall into? Get him hit in the head with an iron, or grab a hot doorknob, or uh, get oh, tricked get tricked into a cardboard cutout, thinking that he was gonna get shot. Sledgehammer for going up the stairs. None of the above. Sledgehammer going up the stairs. Sledgehammer where going I think, up the stairs. That's a good one. Yeah, sledge sledgehammer to the crotch. <laughs> oh man! Well, sorry, Killian. America's Funniest Home Videos is always on before Once Upon a Time, so I think it bring a nice and crossover audience. If they're like this tonight on Once Upon a Time. I didn't the, realize that was still a thing. It's the biggest but, crotch shot on Once Upon a Time yet. Yeah, I was like, I mean, you know, you know slight segue. If anybody hasn't seen The People's Couch on, on Bravo, it's a it's a fun, entertaining show where you watch people comment and watch on other TV shows. And they, yeah, they were talking about America's Funniest Home Videos. I'm sorry, uh, AF, AFV. AFV, come on, <laughs> It's a 21st century. I did not realize it was still hip. on. Well, Tom Bergeron needs a secondary paycheck. Oh yeah, because I guess Hollywood Squares is no longer on. Yeah, that's that's done for. So he he oh, needs sorry. he needs something to do on his. Uh, he only works two days a week when Dancing with the Stars is on. So he needs something else to to okay. pay the rent. Sorry for the segue, but yeah, for, surprised that AFB is on. But uh, if if uh, we're not able to to get that, maybe we can have a, a a extended remix of this episode of Once Upon a Time where we see lots of falling and crotch shots. Okay, I'm glad we donated equal time to America's Funniest Home Videos and the actress who played Willie and Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. I feel like it was. I feel like it's a. It's Kate a fair Capshaw. Share. Kate Capshaw. <laughs> Kate Sorry. Capshaw. Just remember that. I feel like this is the first time Kate Capshaw has been talked about for more than like five minutes in probably like twenty years. Oh, <laughs> we have our hashtag. <laughs> what Kate let's, Capshaw? Let's, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, let's well, let's. Maybe, yeah, at least be our mid. Let's make it our maybe our mid to, to late podcast. All right. Hashtag, hashtag Kate Capshaw. Only because I'm sure she's never been trending. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's there's more elements to this scene though. So after you know Hook slips on the marbles and Henry takes off, uh, Hook is Hook's job is not done. It's he's accosted by someone else, Will Scarlet, who finally confronts him for beating him up six episodes ago. And it's kind of a wah, wah, wah. Oh my god, it's like a Three Stooges moment. Yeah, you said you heard crickets at the end when he knocked himself out against the wall instead of, like, cuckoo birds. Yeah, like, or like, doing. Maybe that's where Jiminy Cricket is. <laughs> he was providing sound effects for Will Scarlet's paltry fighting techniques? Yeah, the Dr. Uh, uh, Hopper, you, you know, decided to revert to full cricket and was just kind of sitting there providing the, the Foley effects for the, the knockout. Yeah, I mean, that, and that was pathetic. Hook stepped maybe two inches to his left, and Will completely missed him. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll see. He He's played a very odd part in this half season, so we'll see whether he has a bigger part next episode or whether he becomes a bigger part in the second half arc. I, I, I want to see more of him. I, I enjoy the actor, and I enjoy his, his acting, so I, I think we need more Will Scarlet on this show. Yeah. All right, do you have, you have any other... Uh, uh, gold hook moments, or should we should we jump back to 1982? Well, there's kind of the whole wrap up where Hook visits Gold and lets him know that he wasn't able to retrieve Henry, and it sounds like Gold is still going to go ahead with his plan, and it sounds like he plans on killing Hook, like you know, because you know, 
Hook makes him promise that he'll leave, he'll leave everybody else alone. And he says, okay, I will, but it still sounds the way he's threatening. Like this will be like the, the, the you know, this was your last, uh, you know, your last hurrah. So it sounds like gold is planning on killing hook before he leaves town. I guess my only, he says he, he'll leave the rest of storybook alone, but he can't promise to leave the rest of the world alone. And I was wondering if gold's plan was to tell bell and Henry that Storybrooke was destroyed and he couldn't save anyone else. I'm wondering now that that the curse on Storybrooke is gone, if his plan still holds or if he's quickly trying to come up with a plan B. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I'm I'm wondering what his, you know, it's clear that we, he has his plan mapped up to the point where he crosses over and gets rid of the dagger. But like, how is he going to clean up that mess? Yeah, so it's it's the the circumstances under which he was planning to escape Storybrooke have changed. I don't know if his plan has changed or if it necessarily needs to change or not. So that that was something I was I was curious about. Yeah, and I wonder uh, like if he crossed the town line would he like cloak the town again to make sure that nobody found it because like there is a there would be a slight chance of like people escaping the town and trying to trying to warn people about him. So I thought he would want to eliminate any risk of that. They said at this point, nobody knows his that's the thing. That's just it. If in in the in plan A, he wasn't going to have any risk of that. The ice wall was still going to be up. Everyone's going to be trapped there fighting themselves. And Emma and Elsa and Ingrid were going to be living happily ever after in a very, very angry storybook. Um, but now the you know, the ice wall, I'm assuming, is down or will be shortly melted. Um, and if gold tries to leave town with brooke and henry or bell and henry that there are going to be a bunch of people who realize that gold isn't there and do have the ability to potentially try to you know warn the world about mr gold and so his plan if he isn't changing it he should be considering a change yeah i completely forgot that like since ingrid is presumably dead that ice wall is going to come down now yeah or just again melt by natural natural factor the sun, I the sun will come out tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're welcome uh but let's not speak of tomorrow let's speak of yesterday and we'll we'll, we'll go through our flashback sequence here so we go to boston in 1982 presumably right when ingrid steps out from behind that magic door and she's in the she's just in the middle of our world mm-hmm. and the first thing she decides is uh let, let's go see a psychic yeah she She's familiar with the word and uh, she goes to Madame Faustina's and yeah, I was interested to see how this would go down. I mean, mean, one of my first questions was, does she still have her snow powers? Um, It was kind of fun because part of me was wondering, does she, is this a legitimate psychic? Is this a fake psychic? Um, What'll go on? It was kind of funny that, you know, she was looking she that the, that Ingrid knew that the chosen ones, the savior's name was Emma Swan. Her sister's name was Emma Swan. And so the moment that Faustina gives her some fake name, was it Susan? Susan it was Susan. The moment she gives her the name Susan, uh, we she's like, oh, this is a fake. Her name is Emma Swan. And well, I just want to know where she's going to be born. And it, yeah, Faustina gets out with a baseball bat or something. And uh, and I was I, that's what I was wondering. Are we going to get to see some snow power? I'm guessing we aren't. And it was confirmed that she is without her power. Yeah, no, I, nothing can stop uh, a baseball bat in the 80s. No. <laughs> uh, 
And the the other thing about this scene that was really interesting to me is uh there's a there's a funny part where uh where uh Pastina says, you know, how I I'll give you advice, how shall you give me gratitude? And Ingrid just says, Thank you. <laughs> and they sit there yes. awkwardly. Which makes me think like, oh I guess they don't do that in Arendelle? Do they just do they not pay each other for things? Maybe she's used to being a queen and not having to pay. <laughs> That's true. Uh, although she, she's, although you think she put two and two together pretty quickly as well. I'm a foreign land, and so I, I probably will have to pay in some manner. And I think that necklace was overdoing it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it shows how shady of an establishment Madame Postinas was that she like was like, oh, all right, no actual payment, just uh, jewelry. All right, this works for me. I could probably sell it somewhere. Yeah. So she she, she didn't even like stop and question. Is this is this real? Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll should become like a, a Sybil Trelawney character and will actually be proven right. And there's some woman named Susan will enter the scene at, at the end of next episode. Yeah. There we go. Maybe it'll be Susan storm from the fantastic four. Oh no. Bad crossover idea. Oh, wait, is, is fantastic <laughs> Four DC or Marvel? That's Marvel. Okay. Yeah. So Disney so it's possible. <laughs> it's very possible. Uh, so uh, the next flashback flashes forward a bit to uh, the teen to Emma as a teenager. Uh, it's basically right after the video that we saw a few episodes ago ends, where this this rather large bully uh, takes Kevin. the camera from Kevin. Yes, Kevin. Kevin McAllister. I not Kevin McAllister. <laughs> um. So we we see a little bit more of the Emma Ingrid relationship in this scene, uh, which is. You know, it's it's very interesting because obviously Ingrid knows something that Emma doesn't. She knows what she's going to grow up to be. So she has a, a natural, you would think sisterly bond, but it becomes much more cross as motherly just because of the age disparity. Uh, and then we also get, Kevin's an interesting character. I want to see more Kevin. Um, so Ke- my question is, why is Ingrid fostering Kevin? Because it's very obviously not going to grow up to become Emma. Um, I, I, mean, I think it's conceivable that um, Emma Swan's name might not have been Emma Swan when Ingrid first encountered her. <laughs> but it might. It's probably not Kevin. <laughs> right. Like I could see her like fostering a string of blonde haired girls. Um, and so maybe I was like, is it was it um, to build a track record? Like I mean, it could conceivably be. Well, if I want to be sure that I can foster Emma Snow, I mean, Emma Swan, when she comes to me, I should at least have a, a believable record of being a responsible foster parent. So um, maybe that's why she has Kevin. That's a long con, though, to be like, all right, I'm going to set up this foster home and take in an assortment of children and take care of them just so one day she'll come in and then everything will be just like normal. 17 years. It is a long con. It's I mean, very, she's, very she's, long waiting, con. she's waiting 17 years for this to happen. So she's got nothing to do but bide her time and plan. Yeah. And apparently just stay up all night sitting on the couch waiting. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that scene a bit because I I actually don't think I was taking notes so furiously that I don't think I caught the end of it. So I'm very, I'm a little confused. I wonder if you could enlighten me a little bit about it, Kurt. So I know Emma like initially wants to run away because she's afraid that Kevin will beat her up, uh, which is understandable considering Kevin looks like he's probably like, I don't know, like, six feet at that point um yeah. <laughs> uh and ingrid is able to convince her but i don't really i couldn't really recall why or how well it starts out we know ingrid is telling emma that she's been in her her shoes before 
um, and and you know, it can relate and completely understand that it must really be terrible living with someone like Kevin, someone who's really afraid, afraid of spiders, for example, and who would just completely freak out if he were to, you know, so, you know, find some spiders in his room. Like, for instance, the fake plastic spiders that I have in my desk in the top right hand drawer. So she kind of, you know, again, she 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 encourages Emma to basically uh scare Kevin with the fake spiders that she has. So she 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 shows Emma that she's not uh, afraid to take her side, that she gets her that she's willing to kind of be this this co-conspirator to get back at the boy that she is fostering. Um, maybe that's why she had Kevin there is that she, she said, I must have somebody who is afraid of spiders or who has a fear that I can easily capitalize. <laughs> so she's trying to be the cool mom, basically. Yeah. So the older sister, as we later find out. Yeah. So maybe that's why we don't see Kevin again. Maybe Kevin saw the fake spider and went into cardiac arrest and passed away. Yeah, we, we, we don't see the uh, we don't see the the conclusion of the Emma versus Kevin versus spiders conflict. Well, all we do see is Ingrid uh, paling up to Emma uh, and apparently successfully doing so. So uh, sometime later, assumingly on the way back from Kevin's funeral, uh, Ingrid and Emma, <laughs> Emma go to a carnival and uh, they're, they're, they're having a, a ball playing that claw game. Oh, gosh, you love the claw game. I love it. It's the Oof. best part of the carnival. Not at all frustrating. <laughs> no, not at all, even with magical powers. And I'd be interested to hear in the comments for people who have been to Disney's California Adventure. It seemed like this actually might have been filmed there. The, the spinning sky ride that was kind of in the background up behind them looked familiar. And I'm wondering if that's where this, this particular scene was filmed. But uh, could be wrong. Could be wrong. We won't know until we see the Dapper Dans pedaling by on their one bike. Yeah. That would have, that would have put an interesting mood on the scene. Uh, yeah, barbershop quartet always does. So there's a there's a there's a weird like karate kid esque scene where Ingrid's, you know, telling Emma, trust your instincts, and it's it's kind of like a test for her of does Emma have these powers? And it looks like it looks like she does, but I don't know, Ingrid. I think the claw machine is not a definitive test of you being able to have magical powers. No, and and yeah, she ended up with what looked like a Dalmatian. It could have been another, you know, another Pongo reference. Mm-hmm. Pongo is again getting more airtime this episode than he has in most of the the previous ones. Um, so like, yeah, if you know the machine is shorted out, that might be a hint. You end up getting the, the dog that could potentially be, you know, a sign. You got the, I don't know. I didn't know if it was like the mood ring in, in my girl, uh, that she also ended up getting with the dog. Um, but yeah, she seems to be, uh, you know, Ingrid's reaction to Emma getting the the dog seems to be at odds with the actual importance of the event. <laughs> to Ingrid, Ingrid's wondering what's going on. I actually, or Emma's Emma's wondering what's going on with you. I actually think the mood ring comes up earlier in the show. From what I remember, like there was some sort of scene maybe in season three or like season two around like the Tallahassee era with the Neil stuff when she was like unpacking her trunk and she found a mood ring. So maybe that maybe she like carried that mood ring with her, which would be interesting because. Considering how her relationship with Ingrid ends for a bit, uh, it's it's kind of interesting that she keeps that with her as kind of a symbol of someone who trusted in her, albeit kind of snapped and tried to throw her in front of a car. Yeah. And at the same time, if that was true, then that was a little Easter egg that the writers planted 
back then and had no idea until this season how they were going to actually use it. They, 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 they would have written in the mood rings like, we don't yet know how we'll loop back to it, but it's it's something that we can tap into as a plot point if we need to down the road. And maybe then they get to season four and they say, ah, let's put them. Let's 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 tie that little loose end up here. I actually think Prince Philip's soul was in the mood ring. <sighs> don't get started about Prince Philip. <laughs> I had to make my obligatory reference. Um, so sticking sticking along with this carnival scene, though, there's there's a little bit more to it. As, yeah. uh Emma kind of has like a little bit of a breakdown uh, because or no, Ingrid has a little bit of a breakdown. Just talking about like how proud of her she is. Yeah. And, you know, she can put anything she wants. She she does anything she can put her mm. mind to. And Emma sees this envelope and assumes the worst that she's being sent away. But no, Ingrid wants to adopt Emma. And I'm. I'm not sure, Kurt, I don't know if you know how, how the foster system works more than I do. Can they do that? Um, I'm guessing so. Um, that you know, a, a foster family could potentially, you know, formally adopt somebody that's going through their home. I, I, I don't see why not, but I mean, I'm not going to profess to be an expert on it. Um, I, di- I did think it was interesting that um, that Ingrid kind of positions herself not as a parent, but as a she would be the best. I don't think I'll be a good a good mom, but I'll be the best big sister that I can be. Yeah. And so I thought that was a kind of an, a nice tie in to what her ultimate goal and plan is. So I'm wondering, I'm also wondering, like, so it's brought up later when she goes into Storybrooke. That's that's the reason why she retains the same age. Would that still happen in the real world? Like, or would Emma grow, you know, by the time Emma grows into 28 and she's it's the person that we see now? Ingrid would be like in her like, I don't know, her 50s by then. I don't know. It's interesting because we saw that that uh, Pinocchio slash August, uh, a magical construct, did age as as time passed for him in Storybrooke or sorry, in the in the quote unquote real world. He grew from a little boy to a uh, a, you know, a a man in his 20s. but interestingly, uh, it, that Ingrid does not seem to age from 1982 through 1999. Yeah, that's um, very true. But, I mean, it is at the end of, I mean, we see that in 99 is when Ingrid gets to Storybrooke and she may not age there. So I'm not surprised that there was no aging that took place between the time that Emma last sees Ingrid and the time she next sees Ingrid. I'm more surprised that Ingrid looks the same between 1982 and 1999. Yeah, I think this goes back to also in the in the flashback episode for the whole Snow Queen storyline with Helga and Gerda. Like, I don't know how old she was, but I remember when they jumped from the little girls to them. It was just Elizabeth Mitchell. It wasn't like an, an intermediary teenage actress like they're doing with Emma now. So right. for all we know, she could have looked that way since she was like 21. Right. So, uh, so you know, they, they embrace over their newfound adoption. But, oh, that emotion is very short-lived uh, as they're walking through the street. I don't know if this is back from the carnival or if this is just on another uh, event entirely. Uh, Emma brings up the whole idea of Harry Potter and how she wishes she could apparate. And don't <laughs> we all, especially when we live in metropolitan areas that have uh, not-so-great t- transits. Uh, but uh, Ingrid says, oh... You know what I think this means? I think this means you're ready to to learn about your potential with magic. 
so many different ways this could have been done, Ingrid. <laughs> so many. Oh, man. Let's, let's, let's go over your lesson plan together before you actually try it out on the students. Yeah, I don't know. The only thing I could imagine her doing that was worse would be, like, like lighting the house on fire while they were in it, or, like, you know... Coming, swim- coming at her with a knife or something. Yeah. Like, or like, here, try to stop me. Swimming into a shark tank while covered in blood. Like, there... But this is this is definitely up there. Ingrid decides to test her magical skills by standing in the middle of traffic. Right. And I'm not 100% convinced that for things to end like we wanted them to end that Emma like Ingrid's found her sister in Emma. Does and yeah, I guess for Ingrid to have complete closure, she must have a sister who has magical powers. And who realizes she has magical powers. So I guess maybe maybe it's not all wrapped up with a bow yet for Ingrid. So she needs for completion, for closure, she needs for Emma to be on the same page with her in terms of the world is actually a magical place. Yeah, and it's weird because this also connects back to an episode in season three of the latter half when when Regina was trying to, to bring Emma's magical powers out and for her to control them. And that was the whole thing where she like, warped Emma to a, a rickety bridge and, like, took away all the supports. So the, both Regina and, and Ingrid are all about, like, your true magic potential will come out when you're put in the most life-threatening situations. They teach, like, my dad tried to teach me how to drive a stick shift. It was, like, just throw you in the middle of it, and if something wrong happens, then you just did something wrong, and you have to try to do something right. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> a sink-or-swim method, and I think they're both very lucky that, in this case, it swam. I don't even know... Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Ingrid. I can't imagine if Ingrid saw potential and in, in other, other. She brought in another kid named Emma that she happened to think was magical, and she was like, "All right, let's stand in front of this car together." That'd be funny if she had actually like the untold story here is that there were actually three potential foster kids named Emma Swan, and she had to like test each one. It's a little Terminator Sarah Connors ish. Yeah. Like, are you Sarah Connor? You know it. Like she had to basically put each of these Emma Swans to the test. And so she, this is like the third one is the, and the other two did not pass. <laughs> yeah, the, the swan test is it seems like an extremely hard test to pass considering you have to put yourself in a situation where you, you either live or die. Yeah. <laughs> so Emma understandably reacts uh, in the way that all of us would by freaking out and calling her a nut job. And it looks like she runs away. Now, I don't know if she like goes yeah. back home to pack up her things and runs away or if she just plain old runs away but that's the last she, she must have because she's still she at one she eventually gets the video camera back that's so true. she it i'm i'm the way i played in my mind is that she ran home packed her stuff and got out of there before before ingrid came back before the nut job came back <laughs> so let's let's follow this nut job some more let's let's crack her open uh we flash forward to 2001 so some time has passed now and uh, it's just a short scene. Ingrid finally cracks open that scroll that the apprentice gave her after he pushed her through the door about how, uh, you know, there's that a town will. Was it was it that a town will appear or that just like there's she'll, she, she will come to a town? The, the scroll from the sorcerer was she was told it would lead her to her third sister. OK. And I was a little because I think I'm a little confused about the. I'm trying to remember the timeline of the storybook as a town. Is this when it came into existence or did Ingrid just happen to like look at it a different way? And we suddenly saw the entire town. Uh, no, she got taken to, she got teleported to storybook. Okay. Yeah. She, she took out the scroll. She read it and she got teleported to storybook. 
So, so this, and, isn't a, this isn't a, a Greg situation where she just happened to like travel into it. Correct. No, she she basically read the scroll and she got teleported there is the way that I interpret it. I mean, obviously, it's been there for a while because it came and it sprung into being at the same time that Emma was pretty much transported as an infant to uh, this this world. So it's been there for a while so that she suddenly appeared there. Um, and that's when she proceeded to not age. Mm-hmm. So you said this was you said this was 2001. For some reason, I thought it was still 99. So if this was 2001. She basically opened the cracked open the scroll. It teleported her to Storybrooke in 2001. And then she was there for 10 years, not aging before Emma shows up. Man, uh, she is she is really the master of these long cons. Yeah, she's like patiently running the any given Sunday ice cream shop in Storybrooke, waiting for some sign of her third sister. I thought it was interesting that she it was basically positioned to her as this will lead you to your third sister. And I assumed that Emma was kind of the second sister, which is why she went through the previous door. Um, and so, you know, eventually Elsa does show up here. I mean, so it is true. Both, I guess it's, it's kind of, you know, six of one half dozen of the other, which whether Emma or Elsa is the third sister, because they both do eventually get to Storybrooke. Yeah, I would wonder, though, if I was Ingrid, like, you know, I have to get two sisters. I couldn't get one right now. Let me try for the other. It seems like she really doesn't she seems more resigned to the fact that like oh they'll come to this town so let me just go there and I th- and i believe she's able to um her magic is working now in storybook i think oh, i can Maybe. imagine so i i think Maybe. she yeah i think she's uh well they said that when will scarlet stumbled upon her ice cream shop back during the blackout it didn't have any sort of generator or anything it was purely being run by her magic so i'm assuming oh. she's been doing that since the beginning well but i i i but I'm talking about before the curse of Storybrooke is lifted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, Emma's there, but I, I feeling this. I, my impression was that when we see Emma walk into any given Sunday and recognize Ingrid, that this is happening during season one, because it's when Sydney is gathering information on her. Because later, earlier in the season, we see the photograph. Yeah. of this instance of Emma talking to Ingrid. And so if this is happening during season one, when the curse is still on Storybrooke and nobody remembers who they are, except for, you know, Ingrid, because she wasn't really part of the curse. I'm wondering if just because she's in this town that doesn't age, there is some residual magic about Storybrooke. I'm wondering if she has her powers at this point. I, I, I can't, I just can't remember. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking it's probably, well, she must, cause she takes, she yeah. takes um, memories. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think I think it's it's just like you said, Kurt. I think it's because she wasn't in the realm of the first curse that she was able to kind of walk in with her powers. Right, and the powers weren't working out in New York City or in the real world, but I think by the moment she comes to Storybrooke, it is kind of a magical place. Uh, you know, the, and so her powers kind of rekindle here. Although rekindle is probably a bad word to use for ice-based powers. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's more the opposite. Uh, re, refreezing. Yes. Uh, so in 2011, Emma goes into the ice cream shop, uh, and I don't know how Ingrid thought this reunion would go well. Uh, of course, it doesn't. No, although it seems like this is the sort of thing that would directly support some of the strange uh, allegations or that uh, Henry has about you know magic and fairy tales being real. Um, here's further proof about it, but it, she is, she, she is not swayed. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, Ingrid freaks out uh, about the fact that Emma freaks out at her, and she decides to finally pulls out the purple rock and decides to take away some of her memories, and uh, then they just go on with business as usual. Oh, and something I think we forgot to mention uh, during the end of the main storyline is that Gerda had helpfully attached the a bit of the stone that she got yeah. from Grandpabi that contained all the Arendellian's memories of Ingrid, and Ingrid pressed that, and I don't know how much that, uh, that memory thing, you know, what the reach of that is, so I'm assuming back in Arendelle, everyone has started to remember Ingrid now. I'm, I don't... I don't know, though. I mean, well, because, you know, their their next mission is to go back there and to make sure that happens. But um, so I'm not sure if the memories are completely released. But, you know, I, from my understanding, we, we we wrapped up with Anna and Elsa, their next mission being to go back and to return the memories. Unless that was like. More of like a, a unless that was less about returning the magical memories and more about making sure that the town commemorates the sister that was Ingrid. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was a tiny stone, too, considering that like there was a rather large stone for one person's memories, but a very tiny stone for however many people's memories. Yeah, yeah. Good those, point. Those rock trolls, they 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 they're they're very uh they're they're very efficient. Yes. All right, Kurt, do you have any sort of uh final things you want to say about this episode? Uh no, it was like it a, a lot happened. <laughs> yeah. A lot happened, um, and I, I gotta say again, I, I enjoy I enjoyed the way they wrapped up Ingrid's character, and I, I did get a lot of glee out of the stuff that was happening with the Spell of Shattered Sights. I wish it had lasted longer, but still, very enjoyable episode. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go into the previews for next week for those who do not watch it and do not wish to be spoiled. I mean, obviously we're going to get some uh, continuation of seeing how Gold's plan, uh, f- how that fares, although... You know, the the episode doesn't end with Henry in hooks clutches. Henry is, you know, back with his moms. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if that still is part of the plan. But I think we're going to see is gold still going to try to break out of Storybrooke. Um, And there's one particular element of the previews for the upcoming week that I'm excited about, because it was actually something that we talked about in the last couple podcasts about a particular character that I've been actually wanting to see make a return that I did not think we would actually see. And it looks like we're going to get it. Oh man, Kurt, this is only one episode left. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, the two of us have been watching once upon a time since like mid August. And this will be the first time ever that we'll have to have a significant break between it. Oh yes. So, uh, before we get to that last episode in the, in the days between, uh, please feel free to send us any sort of feedback you want to, whether uh, it's, it's about answers you have to questions that we've posed, or whether you have any sort of tidbits about how uh, we can draw our map to Storybrooke. You can reach out to us in a variety of ways. You can always leave comments on the bottom of this show page on postshowrecaps.com. You can leave us feedback on our iTunes feed, and if you haven't subscribed to us yet, our Once Upon a Time Only podcast feed is located at postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes and we always appreciate a nice star review and a little bit of feedback that helps bump it up so we become uh, more visible than a magical foster kid and uh, otherwise you can also reach out to us directly through social media specifically Twitter Kurt how can people get into contact with you on Twitter I am at Kurt Clark on Twitter with two C's and I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter so yeah we're, Kurt and I are very active on there if you have any sort of like direct questions or things you want to show us, feel free to, to reach out to us. We're always receptive to any and all 
feedback. But while you're milling around post-show recaps, be sure to check out all the other coverage that's going on. Sons of Anarchy is just about to wrap up. I know Walking Dead wrapped up last week. Uh, there's some still, still some stuff going on with SNL, American Horror Story, and uh, a new new coverage has just started for Justified in the winter. Yeah, they're gonna, I hear there's some interesting hashtags on that show, which kind of also we, we should mention that uh, that 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 Mike and I have the, the pleasure of actually uh, doing a, a one off kind of mid show coverage, mid season coverage of the uh, current season of Top Chef Boston it was both Mike and I, but also uh, Antonio Mazzaro and the great Josh Wiggler. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, the first time all, all four of us major co-hosts had really been together and we, we just, we just kind of uh uh, shot the stuff for a couple of hours just talking about the show in general and uh, so if, if you're into reality TV or if you're into to four guys just generally expounding about a reality cooking show you can go to reality uh, rehab ups podcast or just go to robhasawebsite.com it should be over there at the bottom of the page alright Kurt so we, we have our, our Kate Capshaw hashtag in the reserve do you have another one you want to use or should we just go with that you know what? That, that that was our, our I think our, our mid podcast uh, hashtag for for those who made it all the way in the show. How about we go death by Pongo? All right. So uh, hashtag Kate Capshaw. You made it made it about halfway through, two thirds of the way through, and if you made it all the way here to the end, hashtag death by Pongo. Thank you guys as always for listening. We really appreciate it. We we will be back next week to cover the mid season finale, which is uh, sure to be crazy. And remember, everybody, if you have any hard to remove jewelry, just Call upon the magic of your mortal enemy. That'll do the trick. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.